Welcome to But First People, a podcast brought to you by Pride Global. I'm your host, Jenny Davis, Vice President here at Pride Global. Along with my colleagues on this podcast, we will dive into diversity, inclusion, and equity to service and staffing in the human capital industry. Join us each month as we sit down with industry experts to share their stories. Welcome back to But First People. My guest today will be familiar to many of the Pride Global colleagues listening in as she leads Pride's talent engagement team. Everyone at Pride spends a bit of time with Annie Davies, whether it's taking online coursework through our learning management system, participating in cultural programming, or just having the good luck to run into one of the brightest members of our internal team. Annie has already made a huge impact at Pride since joining the company in 2017 as a recruiter at Russell Tobin. And through work such as her participation on the steering committee for Lioness, Pride's Women's Equity Initiative, she has strived to ensure women professionals have even more opportunities for success here. And she does it through her own experience and shared passion for people. Annie, thanks so much for joining. But first, people, I'm so happy to have you today. I appreciate you doing this. So as all attendees of our podcast, I have to ask, can you kick us off with a little song? Yes. This feels like my first day at Pride five and a half years <gasps> ago. So I'm going to wow. sing the same song that I sang on that very first oh, day. Nostalgia. I know. It was Under the Sea and the Little Mermaid because that was the only thing that came to mind that day. Um, so the seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. <laughs> Love it. There's wonderful things around you. What more are you looking for? <laughs> so good. So Thank it you. felt very reminiscent. Yeah. Oh, so as good. As you know, are under the sea. They are. Um, so wonderful. As a leader of our talent engagement efforts here at Pride, I would love for you to imagine that you are sitting here on planet Earth and a UFO lands and out walks an alien and you're just trying to be nice because that's who you are and you're extroverted and you're probably not afraid, honestly, Annie. I bet you'd like just walk up because that's who you are and be like, oh, this is interesting. This is a new life moment. So, And they say to you, hi, what is it you do here? How would you explain talent engagement to someone who doesn't understand it in our industry or beyond? Yeah. I mean, I think I can put it very simply. Um, the best way is my job is for the people and I take care of the people at our company. I think you can look at that in a lot of different lenses, but I think if I had one sentence to say, it's I oversee and take care of the people at our company and do what's best for them. And that's not an easy job. It's a very hard job, actually, right? <laughs> um, yeah. On the heels of you and I, actually, we went to LinkedIn Talent Connect Conference last week with the intention of all of that being around talent connection and understanding the new generations of work and how we think about that. It's, it's wild how important and relevant your role is in a world where this role didn't exist 10 years ago. Two years ago. Two. Yeah. You yeah. said two. I said yeah. 10. But you're right. It's probably two. Um, it's just fascinating. So right, talking about an alien, but honestly, it's, it's people in the U.S. who don't understand this function and just how necessary it is. And I think the thing that I find interesting about it is we talk about it a lot with like Gen Z and Xennials, Millennials, all this stuff, but really like how valued this job would and could have been for the eons of work before us, right? I agree. That yeah. talent engagement is a new concept, but it probably shouldn't have been. And in a role that was often owned by HR, right? 
So thinking about that and knowing that this was often a bucket of something that was run by an HR manager or a leader, maybe if you were lucky or if you were in a mid or small size company, you probably just didn't have any of it and you were just sort of expected to show up and do your job and maybe hope for the best and get a check. Um, why do you think talent engagement and talent management exists today? And, and what does it mean to you? What does talent engagement mean to you, Annie? Yeah, I think it means, you know, thinking about 10 years ago, what it meant to be a worker is very different than what it means to be a worker in today society. I think that we really at our company in particular and, you know, companies that place value on talent engagement is looking at people as humans first and workers second. You know, we put 40 hours plus into this job. You need to look at the human behind the worker and see what they need and what motivates them, what makes them unhappy, what keeps them here every single day, what do they need to walk into every single day, the types of people that they need to surround themselves with. So I think that it's so crucial that we start with the people first, which is, you know, funny that this is ironic that that's the name of this podcast, but, you know, really putting the people aspect before the worker, because we always preach here at Pride, you know, you can train someone on how to do something. You can teach them on how to do their job, but you right. can't teach them the human aspect. You're right. Yeah. So I think having that talent engagement department and that department dedicated to looking at what's fair, looking at what's changing, looking how people are feeling, looking at motivators is so crucial in today's society, especially with people wanting to change jobs and, you know, the talent market being as on fire as it is, especially over the last few years, your your people are your assets and we need to create an environment that attracts them, equips them, retains them um, to the best of our capacity. My team, our role starts at onboarding. So we have an individual who's dedicated as soon as the offer is extended um, to the candidate to work with us internally. That's where our team picks up and we start the welcome package. Um, and, you know, we welcome you through the first day, through the door, and bucket number one is training. So, you know, we want to get our employees up and running as quickly and efficiently as possible. So whether that's training on your specific job, as well as our company as a whole, the different areas, the tools, technology, all of that. Um, so that's really where we see ourselves in bucket number one. Then bucket number two is, what we call XYME, our performance management system. So really managing and tracking how individuals are doing at the company. What additional training might they need? Where are they falling short? Um, where are they really succeeding? What is really going well? Um, tracking on their cultural involvement as well as their um, professional involvement and professional success. And then measuring that, looking at that, analyzing that, starting to pull good reports and good data from that. And then bucket number three is really that talent management spot, that sweet spot. You know, you've, you're successful, you're on the path to success. What's, what are we going to do to keep you here? What is going to motivate you to stay here for the next two, three, five, ten 10 years? Um, and that looks different for every person, which is what drives me. That really motivates me to kind of dig under and figure out, you know, what's going to keep a Jenny Davis here another nine more years? Like, right. what is that? Um, and personalizing that experience for every single worker here so that they do find this to be their family and find this to be the career for the rest of their lives. Wow, if I do great. my job right. That's so great. <laughs> well, and that's what's so challenging, right? You said individualized for every person. And I think you know, you and I have had a number of conversations about that and our desire to do that. I think um, it's what makes you you when talking about why you're passionate about this and why you care is you actually do care about people. You do want everyone to be happy here. 
right? And that's such a wonderful thing about you sitting in the seat is I see you get passionate, um, sometimes even emotional. Sometimes angry. (laughs) Yeah, angry, emotional, but all good things, like real feelings about wanting people who want to be here and keeping those people who've proven to us that they do. And I think that's that's the nature of the company and the thought around retention, right? I think one of the things I've sensed and you and I've had conversations about is a really scary word right now in companies is attrition. Mm-hmm. That scares people. And the popular word is retention. And I almost say, and I think you and I have talked about this, so I know what you'll <laughs> say, that part of talent engagement is accepting mm-hmm. attrition. Yep. Right? It, it's accepting that part of your pathing Maybe your path leads to a different door and a door that's not at pride. And I think we do a very good job of recognizing that here. I think some leaders better than others. But how do you get how do you get a culture to understand that saying goodbye is okay? How have you gotten to a place of comfort in that or or have you? Are you still on the journey to that? Still on the journey. Um, You know, some people leaving it hits hard. It always does. And that's, I think, the nature of being in this seat and being exposed to certain individuals that change your lives. And like I said before, we're here 40 hours a week. I'm basically in a relationship with every single one of you. So, you know, some people leaving it truly feels like a breakup. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is personal and then it's emotional. And then there are sometimes love letters involved. And, you know, like we're breaking each other's hearts in so many different ways. But I think that's also the beauty like that is and that's the journey um, right there is, you know, looking back at some of the people who have left and, you know, even my direct reports, it's how much we've impacted them and empowered them to be the be the resume that someone wants at their firm um, and be the the next builder at some other company. And that's where I really try and focus. But it doesn't it's not easy. Um, It's not it's not something that I, you know, desire look at every yeah. single day. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great. Right. Let's do it. Um, but I think becoming a culture where we accept that we're, we're on the way. We've always been that way. You know, we talk about tour of duty and how, you know, internal employees today are candidates tomorrow and they're our clients tomorrow. We've always preached that. Doesn't make it easier every time. No, but I think that hearing from Leo and Tim and senior leaders and yourself that it's okay, makes it better. And then we're able to keep those relationships with those individuals, you know, seeing people at Talent Connect that worked for us three years ago. And we're like, oh, hey, this is cool. This is fun. Like, how are you? You want to come back? Maybe not. Okay. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just keeping that alive is is special. But I think it's a really hard thing for companies to accept that leaving is okay. Right. That it's part of it. It's natural. It's a part of the journey. Yeah. And we hope they come back sometimes. Yeah. You know? I still hope that some people will come back, but it it is a part of the journey. And I think we need to focus on that we enabled them to get there. Yeah. So true. And obviously the goal is that they're always leaving to do something that they feel is better and brighter for them. And we can't possibly be perfect for everyone. And I think that's a flaw sometimes in, in talent engagement is Um, as I read articles about it or being at the conference even, is this idea that your culture must meld and mold to fit the individual. And sometimes that's just not true, right? It's just not possible. Um, You may not have an office in a market where someone is looking to move and you can't possibly imagine them remote. Or 
you know, whatever the case may be, there are situations in life that lead people to make decisions. And to me, I think what we're striving for, and I think what talent engagement seemingly is doing as an industry and as a movement, is trying to make people feel supported while they make decisions and engaged while they're making decisions. And it's really about trust. Um, it's about trust in leadership. It can't be trust in a sole individual all the time, right? How do you think you build that? How do you think you build trust in leadership and talent in your talent teams um, to to feel that? Yeah, I think it all starts with communication. You know, we were talking about these transformative moments even at Talent Connect at the LinkedIn conference last week, and they can be so small to mm. build this trust. It doesn't need to be this massive massive opportunity that happens or this massive change can be as simple as, you know, are you happy here? Do you like it here? What motivates you? Do you like mm-hmm. your job? You know, those little tie sprinkling in those little bits and pieces of humanity again are what start to build those trusts and having conversations that aren't directly related to your job, but they're, what are you doing this weekend? And, you know, did you like that project that you worked on or how's your sister doing? Um, that's where you start to break down those barriers and that's where you start to build a relationship with the human because that's what's most important. When it comes down to wanting to stay or not, I'm tied to the human. I'm not necessarily tied to the chopping of wood every single day. You're 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 connected to the family. And we often talk about our company as being the family that people didn't have or the family that people are always in search of. And I think that people who feel part of that, feel that trust and feel that you're going to do whatever it takes to keep them, to make them happy, to find them a job externally, uh, support them when they leave. So I think it all starts with those little bits and pieces of communication and really showing that you care about the person more than you care about the job that they're doing. It has to be a priority. And I think by outlining it as a function at Pride, we're making it a priority and building the blocks to get there, right? Saying this is a priority and we don't know the perfect path yet and we're still designing what it means here. But by labeling it, you are talent and we want to engage with you should signify an interest in that, that we do care. And I think companies who put that forth are showing that and they show it in a multitude of ways, right? be it ERGs, be it career pathing, be it state interviews or exit interviews. There's all sorts of ways that people show up with that. But I think you're right that little questions as a leader yourself can be a simple path. And not even a leader, a colleague. Yeah. Just as a colleague, you build trust. Right? Everyone is in the game of of this. This is – talent engagement is a universal team sport. Should be. Right. Right? Yeah. It it starts the day they sign their offer letter, you know, that – that first communication that's happening, we're engaging them. Yes. And it doesn't need to be hard is basically what I what I really took away from last week is this doesn't need to be hard. Mm. Sure. Tackling internal mobility. Yes, that part can be hard. That part can be challenging. Right. Um, tackling career pathing. Great. But making your people feel welcome, mm. that's easy. Mm. That's simple. And everyone can play a role in that. And that's where, you know, that's where it all begins. It's mm. great. I think the other thing too – that we've talked about at length is when you're in a fast growth company, like so many companies our size, companies even bigger than us who've grown exponentially, globally, all of these things, that talent engagement also 
is at the time of interview. And this idea of having like, obviously the separation of talent acquisition and talent engagement, but the marriage of those two and how important that is because your culture is so clear in an interview and as is the culture of that human. And when you move too quickly through that, you are now in a relationship that is built on shaky foundation. To your point about building trust walls and all these things, like if that's not a moment to identify what are your motivators, how are you, what makes Mm -hmm. you happy, can we do those things? Can we deliver against that? So what role do you think talent engagement plays in the talent acquisition process. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it there by saying it. I interview mostly for for things like that, for culture, mm-hmm. um, for how they're going to show up every single day and what they'll bring to the table and what success looks like and what what are motivators. If motivators aren't team goals – you know, that yeah. might be a little bit of a red flag for us. We're not looking for the sharp elbow type of person to come into our company. Right. We're looking for someone to slide right in and be a part of the team. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really when I ask those types of questions, that's what I'm looking for. Um, and I'm also looking for positivity always. Those are kind of my biggest things are adaptability, positivity um, and, you know, how you're going to interact with the rest of your team. So because someone who comes in as a Debbie Downer, OMG, you are not going to survive here. (laughs) Yes, totally. So that's what makes it. But I think having these cultural interviews and just looking at the person and Mm. who they are, it's hard. It's really hard. hard. We've made some bad. We've made some mistakes. Absolutely. But placing an actual emphasis and dedicating one sole interview to culture is helpful always. So I'm always ready to jump in and help interview somebody from that perspective just to see, you know, what is your role in a team? How do you, what, how do you feel when you're not the leader on a project? Um, Things like that really kind of get people to share what their kind of true colors are. Yeah. And current frustrations. I always think is a way to see if we can answer them. That's what I always Mm -hmm. say from a culture and talent engagement question. I say, what about your current role doesn't keep you engaged or doesn't keep you happy because I want to either answer that and help or tell you that I can't. Because some people, it might be something very simple that we also can't solve for. And they're going to come here and six months later aren't engaged and aren't happy talent, right? And then you're on this revolving roller coaster of trying to retain someone who probably shouldn't be. And I think that's why, you know, again, you and I talking about this freedom to, to attrite in a positive way. That's about Mm -hmm. pathing. Um, and keeping your talent engaged enough to tell you those things. Like I think, you know, we talk about a breakup and all that. Breakups hurt when you don't see it coming. And yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think, a lot of talent engagement is the goal of, of feeling like we're together on the path. And wherever that path leads, at least we're together. And we may not be together at the end, but there's a long road. And, and when you hire people in discovery phases of life, there's a, there's a long road to what their career may be. And right? We're, you're in a great example of it, coming in, in one role and coming into your own and really thriving in another seat. It's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and, and you want to help people do that. You do. You do. And, you know, it does start with Bill. It's, it cannot be easy to walk up to your manager and be like, hey, I'm not happy here. Cannot. And it isn't. Um, but 
it's our job as leaders and as managers to move the needle a little bit towards right. that so that we we can have those open and honest conversations because maybe there is a role here. You never, we don't know. Um, so I think attrition is a bad word, but I think it, if we view it as an opportunity, an opportunity to place somebody, an opportunity to change their livelihood, an opportunity to form a new client relationship, then we're then we're really looking at it as a business growth rather than losing somebody. Right. And an opportunity to learn, right? What could we why have did screened? We, why did you leave? Right. Yeah. What mm-hmm. could we build differently next time? What could we have screened for in you that would have, you know, allowed us to see this or not? And sometimes it's just not. You never know. And it is what it is and how here we are. And that's okay. And I just think that's such a Attrition is just never really part of the frame. And I think you've done a really good job in conversations with me as a leader talking about keeping that in the frame, being like, this mm-hmm. is, this might be what happens when we have these conversations. And we all have to be comfortable with that. And I think getting the the corporate culture of America and the world to kind of understand, like, that's not a reflection on leadership. That's not a reflection on you as a company. It's a reflection on having trust in conversations and communication, Right. Um, so I, I just think the reframe of that would be so beneficial to the cultural movement of people moving and leaving and coming and going. And you mentioned Tim Tobin, and he's just that <laughs> beacon for me where he brings mm-hmm. people in and, and, and he might lose someone. And the first person to say something positive about that is him. He's like, oh, yeah, well, now they're here and that's going to be great because now they're a friend over there in that state where we know. Exactly. It's just constantly. We all need a dose of Tim Tobin. Yeah, we do, right? Yeah. Yeah, That feeling of, you know, this presents an opportunity for them and us every time. And and again, what does that come back to? A culture of positivity around these things and feeling like, okay, that's just a new step and it's a new direction. It's not a loss. I think a trite means losing in in your mind. And and maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. It isn't. And I think – I think the whole, our whole industry is going to see this shift. You know, the the word was retention, retention, retention. How do we solve for it at the conference last week? And I was like, okay, so everyone's going through this right now. So we all kind of just need to accept that this is a part of our future. It's a part of the labor market. People are not staying at their jobs for 25, 30 years anymore, except for the two of us. We'll be here forever. (laughs) I know it. Um, But, you know, they're bopping around. They're seeing what's out there. They're exploring remote. They're exploring new industries. You know, it, it is just the nature of the industry. So I think that we can form the path of accepting it early taking, you know, making it a business opportunity and making it a part of our fabric that, you know, after two years, if you, if this isn't for you, great, we will help you find a new job. And the more we preach that, the more that we exercise that, the, you know, we're going to be ahead of the curve with that type of rotation. And yeah. That's attrition, great. Yeah. So and we just have an industry and I think uniquely in the staffing industry, we're also built to benefit from this feeling, especially in the world of like contract and choosing that. I do think there's probably a shift um, when you look at the talent of the world. If if long-term tenured work is not the desire, what does that mean for contract and contingent labor as we move forward as a, as a country? And I think it'll be really interesting because I think there's still a hesitancy um, in in some young people to go in that direction. But when you watch young people – they're not staying places as long. And it's just a fascinating thing for me, I think, as we talk about what does talent engagement mean if your window is short? And I think you talked short. about that, right? <laughs> if we have yeah. two years to make an impact with you and for you to make an impact with us, how do we make the most of those two years? Because two years flies. 
flies by. Yeah, absolutely. We have, you know, roughly a two-week training program here, and then you're off to the races. And, you know, we do refresher trainings, um, you know, twice a month and things like that. But for the most part, you know, especially in the world of recruiting, you learn on the phone. You You learn in the seat. And so, but we are working every day. A goal of the training team is just pushing productivity that that curve back one month. Right. One month gives us a bigger, even bigger opportunity to, you know, be successful with that individual if they're only here two years. And then, you know, the goal after that is push it back two months. So it's a slow build, but these little increments of success make a big impact. Yeah. For um, the training world and getting people, making the most of their roughly two years at each company and getting it's stressful it's stressful every day yeah Yeah. and getting people to taste the job faster they also taste if they like it you know so getting people involved and in the moment and letting them experience the role will only encourage them to experience and hopefully build those trust relationships more quickly and it's just this continuous cycle but it is so hard because when we're saying these things like put the people first and this is a family and you're in a relationship with this person you really do i think our managers at Pride are so successful because you watch them give everything to people. Everything. Everything, right? You watch it. And I think I see in you often this desired passion to make sure that's rewarded or felt or seen or that people know how much that person cares. And trying to be that bridge, right, is sometimes there's not always an employee to manager connection and you are that connection. How do you carry that responsibility, Any this feeling of like, <laughs> It's it's up to talent engagement to understand the motivations and then communicate that in a safe way. And Yeah, I think I've, as we've grown, you know, you and I have had this conversation two years ago. I knew everyone here. Uh, we were about half the size, probably. I knew everyone's name, their dog's name, their favorite color, their favorite restaurant, what they were doing this weekend. And that felt good to me because I felt like I knew the motivators mm. through just knowing the human. Right. Um. We're double in size now. So you and I have talked about this. I'm like, I don't know everyone anymore as well as I used to. Right. And you're like, that's okay. That's okay. Um, and that's something that, you know, I still haven't gotten over. I still don't love the fact that I don't know the personal ins and outs of every single human in our firm. So I've learned to lean on all of the managers and empowering them to ask these ask these questions and have these conversations and understand, okay, who who needs what? Who needs this? Who needs the love here? Who needs that? Um, who needs to Who needs to get into an office? Who needs to travel? Who needs to go through more training? Who needs to be recognized today? Who needs just a, a warm hug and a phone call? Um, so really starting to lean on managers to have those softer conversations yeah. um, and encouraging that behavior and then have them identify, okay, this this is what needs to happen from there. But it's definitely been a really hard letting go moment mm-hmm. for me to not be able to be that centralized person anymore and having to rely on others because then I'm like, okay, what if someone's slipping through? What if someone isn't, what if someone's manager isn't asking these questions? So Hmm. wondering what keeps me up at night. That is it right there. (laughs) And I think one of the things that I find interesting, and I think having conversations about this in the past is this feeling of people also have to find their voice. Yep. Right. And I think that's because same sister, that's where I've been too, is this feeling of, I can't possibly look straight in the eyes of the human or hold their hand anymore. It's not that mm-hmm. easy. We're, we're getting mm-hmm. bigger. And this is this is all companies of, of every size and shape is that it becomes out of reach to expect that. 
how do you allow and encourage others' voices? And I think I am proud at Pride that I feel like we do that and that the room, you need to find the room sometimes, but encouraging people to find their voice. And I think also encouraging this generation to to speak up and share what they need and creating that safe place inside talent engagement, inside your managerial relationships, but to, to use that voice and to say that because gone are the days, to your point, of workers just work regardless. And we can only yep. get better if we know. Totally. No, I love nothing more when, than when someone says, hey, I just need to chat. We just need to talk about something because then I'm actually able to do something about it. Correct. Um, you know, we formed our policy committee solely based off of our engagement survey and the results and needing a room to execute upon some of the changes that needed to happen. So it it really does. You're so right. It requires people saying something yes. um, to to us to know how people are feeling. And obviously we can't act upon everything. We can't do everything. But the majority of it probably can be solved for or probably is a quick fix. And, you know, I encourage everybody to to say something. Right. Um, and I think we as a company have done a better job in creating more rooms, like you said, like the employee resource groups. Those are great places for people to really take leadership seats and own something and, you know, grow and develop and find their voice, like you said. Um, but it definitely is always it's a two-way street. Progress. Right. Mm-hmm. Two-way street. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think, again, creating the platform and talent engagement for that. And so outside of the magic of, of talent engagement at Pride, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing, Annie? I always wonder what people think like my dream job is, truly. Um, but oddly enough, I have wanted to be a photographer my entire life. It is really? some weird passion of mine that I've never really executed upon either. But I love I, – like I would have been in a National Geographic photographer if I could pick pluck a job out of a hat, travel the world. Wow. You know, film the animals take pictures of everything yes that would have been didn't know but now it explains your beautiful scenic instagram shots right (laughs) it does sometimes i'm like hey where's the person in that and i'm like oh now i get it no it's like the nat geo it's a nat geo exactly nat geo nat geo yeah always wanted to do that you know what's interesting about that that's a mildly solitary thing and you're in a people job isn't that fascinating i know know. it is very peaceful to me right well we just Mm got to find paths for you to do that and now we know we'll just hand you the camera on future excursions together yeah I'll be th- I'll so be thrilled. Um, <laughs> so we have a lot to do. People in the talent industry, people who are managers, so pretty much everyone in the working world feels this trepidation about what's coming and where we're going and the new generations. And it's done with, I, frankly, Annie, I feel like it's done with fear a little bit. Is there's this fear cloud of like, what if there's a retention? And what if everyone leaves their job after 18 months? Mm-hmm. And what if, what if fear, fear, scared? What if my number two quits? Correct. You know? Yeah. All, it's always this what if this bad thing happens. Yes. Yeah. So if we can flip the script on that, what makes you excited about this industry? What makes you excited about our firm? Yeah. I think what's so exciting is kind of like what you hit on. This didn't exist a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Or it did and it, no one cared. Um, and... I think that we got a head start. I think I'm so excited that it's happening everywhere now. So there is new science behind Mm. talent engagement. There's new technology about how to track performance management and how to be better as a firm. There are new ways of thinking, new ways of of dressing the workforce. And I also think 
I'm excited that everyone's kind of owning that we're all in the same scary, weird spot all together. Mm, yeah. And I think for us as a firm, you know, we're about – we're global. And that's new. Learning how to engage a culture in Brazil mm. is so different than a New York City crew, um, which is so different from our UK folks, which is so different from our, you know, colleagues in the Philippines. So learning – now it's not only attracting, retaining, equipping U.S. people, but it's figuring out now, okay, how does that translate into mm. all of our other different cultures and right. companies and everything we're doing? So that's an exciting challenge for me. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think that there's so much room for opportunity to be better every day for us. And I think everyone's buying into that. And I think everyone – Leadership, senior leadership has always bought into this role, but now it's really everyone's kind of in it. Um, and it's just crazy. It's crazy looking back even where we were a year ago today. We didn't even have a fully formed performance management system. And now we do. And it works. So I'm just excited. I think year over year, we just move so far and so fast. And it's we're hiring great people. We're attracting great people. We're global. Um the whole world is buying into talent engagement. So it's just, it's a really fun time to be in this field. And I am just grateful that you're in it because you've been a true partner to me as I've scaled and built my team beyond my imagination. Um, I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful you spent this time with us sharing who you are and what your beliefs are and why you're doing Thank this. You. So thanks Thank for doing you. this, Annie. It was a pleasure. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Annie, for sharing your thoughts and your story. I really appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for spending time with us. To learn more about Pride Global, please check out our website at prideglobal.com. If you have any questions for Annie or myself, please email us at butfirstpeople at prideglobal.com. Also, don't forget to like, share, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks again for listening with us this year on But First People, and we look forward to seeing you again in the new year.